Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Thinking Sideways is not supported by Defeating the Huns. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinkingsideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, of course, joined by... Devin. Joe. And once again, we have a mystery. Uh, we have several mysteries. We actually have several mysteries. Yeah, yeah it's that time again. <laughs> it is, where we do... Uh, what, do what do we call these? Are a group show? Kind of. Kind of like that. Shorts. I never can remember, because we yeah. do them infrequently. I never remember. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. We have right. two different kinds of group shows, right? We, we do. We do this kind, we do. and we do the, like, we just have... This week, the kind of group show we're doing is where each of us has a small mystery, yeah. and they're all kind of related. On theme. There's a theme, and there. the theme is Lost Treasures. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Lost Treasure out there, by the way. There is. And so we're unfortunately just going to cover three treasures. Shall we just go ahead and jump into this? Yeah, let's, yeah, just do let's it. talk about some lost treasure All here. Right. All right. Well, I guess I guess I'll start. Yeah. All why right. Don't you Please start? do. Okay. What are uh, we talking? What What are you talking about? Well, I am going to be talking about the supposed lost galleon of pearls in the Salton Sea. Mm. A lost galleon full of pearls. Mm-hmm. How many mm. pearls? A lot. Like millions. Lots. Well, Do you know the worth of the pearls? No. Estimated? No, we don't know. No, we don't. We... It's this just a gallon a little, full of pearls. A little, it's, it's, it's a little thin. Here's, here's the basic idea. If you don't know where the Salton Sea is, that's probably something you should know right away. Yeah. 
It's in Southern California. It's near the Mexico-California border. It's also right there, um, not too far away from the coast. Mm -hmm. And technically, it can connect to the Gulf of California. Mm -hmm. It's that weird little spur that comes off the edge of the continent. That's right where it's at. Yeah, yeah. So and then that little area sort of maybe theoretically floods. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. and so just so we're clear, a galleon is, is this big Spanish ship. Okay, they're the big sixteen um, hundreds yeah. era ships. I don't know why. Isn't there a coin that was called a galleon? Some kind of coin that was called a galleon at one point. No, am mm. I making that up? Is that a fantasy thing? It's probably a fantasy. It might thing. be a fantasy yeah, thing, but yeah. I think yeah. there is a coin that is, has a similar name. But okay, anyway, and there sorry. there are such things as like a galleon of gas and a galleon of whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, the galleon of whiskey I'm yeah. very familiar with. Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. I just wanted to clarify That's that. That's all right. Too. So here's let's let's get into the story. Uh, the story is that uh, evidently in the 1800s, there were a lot of people flooding across the country. And these people were coming through the California area. We've got things like the gold rush going on. So everybody's just milling about. And all of these stories started cropping up of the ship in the desert. So it's actually in the desert. It's not in the water. Mm. What are you laughing at? Uh, I looked it up. It's Harry Potter. It's the currency in Harry Potter, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing at the fact that, of course, I made a Harry Potter reference without even realizing. Got it. Harry uh, Harry okay. okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm sorry. Back to the story oh, yeah, of a not Harry Potter. So somebody finds sorry. a galleon. Yeah. So well, all these people say they see the galleon. Mm. We Did anybody take a picture of it with their cell phone? No, no. Oh, no. lazy jerks. They the, well, they had the flip phones that had the terrible cameras. Oh, okay. yeah. In the 1800s. So uh, according to some research out there, in the early 1600s, King Philip of Spain, I think uh, Philip III, he had sent a whole bunch of ships to the Americas. One of those ships was uh, going around and hunting for pearls. Yeah, so they're always uh, doing it on the coastline. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the thing with the, the Spanish Empire is mm-hmm. like they, uh, besides running Mexico, yep, they also they also took over the Philippines and they they took basically they plundered all the gold out of the Philippines and brought it back to Spain, yeah, via Mexico. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Spanish galleons, there there is a, actually a Spanish galleon buried in the sea or buried in the on the beach at Manzanita. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There is. Yeah, that's yeah. what the Goonies was about. Yeah. I think it is. I think, no, it is. It's, it's, Don't look at me like that. I know it is. No, but it, it actually exists. <laughs> yeah. It is really there. Um, Just probably not was, full of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's the whole thing. It was, uh, there was a storm in the 1930s, and it was partially uncovered, and, and, and people became aware of it. And uh, there, was not, there was no money to actually dig it out. And so it's, of course. it's still oh, there. Yeah. And who knows what's in it? There, yeah. might, there might be all kinds of gold in there. There awesome. might be treasure. But yeah, there, is, there's, there are Spanish galleons all over the place. There are. There were a lot of them out there. So there's, this one could be for real. Well, Although I and, doubt that it was full of pearls. Well, here's, here's the thing is that according to the story, the king's orders this, these ships in 1610 is the mm-hmm. year now that I'm rereading my notes. And he hires a couple of guys, and one of them is a gentleman by the name of Juan de Itubre. 
and Pedro de Rosales. He sends them off in three ships that have a bunch of pearl divers on them. Uh, They go up and down the coast of California and Mexico. They're diving for pearls. They're evidently getting huge hauls. And eventually they meet the natives. And it turns out the natives had been taking pearls, you know, because pearls are in, in oysters. I suddenly couldn't think of what they were in. Sorry, pause. (laughs) And they just thought they were useless. So they were throwing them on the ground and they had piles and piles of these things around. Well, you know, actually, technically they are. They are really useless. They're just pretty. (laughs) They have no value to them. Yeah. As they don't, you know, it's only because we say they have value now that they have value. Just like Like, diamonds. I'm actually kind of surprised that they they saw them that way because, I mean, don't forget that... that we bought Manhattan for a bunch of little trinkets and like you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that they just discarded them. Well, yeah, I don't know. But, but what, I, what I, agree. I do know is that according to the story, they decided to trade for all these pearls. And what they did is they swindled the the natives. Shocking. Well, sure. And yeah. they gave them rags and junk mm. and all it of this. It doesn't sound like history at all. No, 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 no. not at all. But actually, from, from the natives' perspective, they probably actually got a good deal because, you know, a rag is something you can actually mop up a mess with, whereas you can't do that with a pearl. True. Yeah. But they didn't take kindly to this, and they attacked the Spanish because mm-hmm. they figured out they had been swindled. Uh, and a bunch of them were injured, and they ran. And a bunch of these guys said, hey, we need to go home. We need to go back to Spain. According to the the story, though, the guy that was in charge of this, his name was Alvarez Cordon. He said, no, we're going to continue on. I've been injured. I don't care. Go up the, the gulf and keep looking for more pearls. So they do that. Well, eventually one of the ships hits a reef. It goes down. So now we've only got two ships and they keep going on and they continue up what is now the Gulf of California. They get into this weird inland sea. They're hanging about and they realize that uh, this place isn't what we need to be. And they want to go back down the Gulf. Yeah. Except the water level has dropped, and they realize that they can't get out, and the sea is sinking around their ship. Yeah, I could see that happening. You know, Southern California, depending on the time of the year, it actually gets a lot of rain, like in January. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I could see where it could actually be navigable for a short period of time. Well, here's here's what happens, though. And this is where we get into a little bit of, of local information. So the Colorado River... You may or may not know this, and a lot of people probably don't because we it's so drained at this point, but it used to run almost all the way to the Gulf of California. And this area that we're talking about where the Salton Sea is, it's actually uh, used to be referred to as the Salton Sink. Because what would happen is the river would flood, it would overflow, and it would overflow into the sink. Mm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if there's a big flood, lots of water comes in and it fills this area and it's a temporary lake. At the same time, there are things called tidal bores, which from the Gulf of California push water up the estuaries and it could at times when there was a high flood connect the sink Mm. to the ocean. Oh. So technically it is possible. Uh, it theoretically, would, it's possible. Theoretically, I should have said technically. Theoretically, it's yeah. possible. Now, I, I, yeah, I, I would say that really, considering how torrential the rains can be, 
in Southern California. If you had those two things coinciding, it's maybe. Yeah, but otherwise, well, any, other, exactly, any other time of the year, it's, it's, no. it's a maybe. It, it could. It's have a big old maybe. So uh, I would say that would be a distinct uh, error of judgment on their part. <laughs> you know, but maybe, yeah. Well, yeah. So according to this, what happens is the Spanish, evidently it was only one of the ships had gone while the other one stayed in the Gulf. This one went north and got stranded. The sailors realize they're in trouble. They leave the ship. It's sitting on the ground full of pearls and they hike it through the desert back to the coast. And according to legend, are eventually picked up by another ship two months later. So they didn't take the pearls with them? No. Any of them. Well, they might have taken some with them, Mm, but but according to the legend, the hold was full of pearls. Uh, Just imagine, like, taking a bath in that. Yeah, Yeah, totally. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. That's a lot of pearls. It is. It really is. And there's, there are variants of this story. There's variants that say that, no, it wasn't a Spanish galleon, but instead it was a pirate ship that went up and got caught in this same situation. So it's actually not a ship of pearls. It's a ship full of gold. Mm. Yeah. So that's another one. There's another version that says that, no, it wasn't the Spanish and it wasn't gold. Instead, it was Vikings. That it's a Viking ship. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Which actually makes more sense when you think about it, because of those Viking ships. That I can't remember what kind, what the name is, but they had a they had a shallow draft to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they go in much shallower water. Yeah, the uh, the the galleons do kind of draw a little bit of water. Yeah, yeah, they they go really deep. So this actually is a little more credible from that approach that it could have been. But then again, those ships are a little bit smaller. And the legend says that people would see this giant ship in the sand without its mass. But it's still a giant ship that they could see from afar. Uh And that's where we're going to move into the legend because now we've talked about possibly how it could have got there. We now have all of these stories in the 1800s that happen. People saying they see the ship sitting there in the desert as they're crossing the desert, but they can never get back to it. There's a story of a prospector who gets into town, says he took shelter in this weird roundish wooden structure he found, and he hid in a, in a storm in it. Unbeknownst to him, it was full of pearls. If he'd only bothered to like look around a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now, is this thing is this thing just sitting on the desert floor, or is it partially buried? Well, according to what happened in the area, and this is the hard part, is that of course the Salton Sea has now got water in it. We've pumped a bunch of water into it from runoff from irrigation, and it's it's actually one of the saltiest bodies of water on the planet. Why they call it the Salton Sea, I guess. <laughs> Not exactly. But, um, no, the, the thing is, is that according to the stories, what's happened is it got stranded. And this is a desert, so sand blows around. And what does sand do to a big hulking object in the desert? It piles up against it. It piles up against it. Yeah. So it would be buried. And then it would get uncovered by the winds. And then a dune would grow around it. And then it would get uncovered by the winds and the water. So it's coming and going. There's the the story, it evolved. Like, I, I mean, we talked about it first. It started with the ship of pearls. Then it was a ship full of gold. Then it was a Viking ship. Like, there's all these versions. Mm-hmm. It's actually rolled on from there. It's actually become a ghost ship 
that sails on the sands of the Salton Sea. Mm. Some people actually report seeing it sailing this around. This bleached then. ship without mass flying around the, the sea. Yeah, yeah. Or the I, sands, I, I, I should say. I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a phantom ship. Why don't they just drain the Salton Sea and find out if it's there? Um, so, well, the Salton Sea is actually slowly draining itself, yeah. believe it or not. Well, it's yeah. not super deep. And it's a desert. I mean, we are pouring water into it, but not nearly as much as it used to get. And so well, yeah, it is they, slowly draining on its own. It's Yeah, I mean, obviously. I, it's projected they, that in the next, somewhere between the next 10 to 20 years, if if things keep going the way they are, it'll be empty. Okay. And then, and then can, you can then go out there with your out. metal detector and your shovel and just dig to your heart's content. Yeah, I'm going to go out with my pearl detector. I should... Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't be too hard to find, really. Okay. I'm just shocked that nobody's found it on Google Earth yet. Oh, like that uh, guy that drove his car into the lake recently? Yeah. Or several years ago that we they found recently? Yeah. yeah. Seems like a big thing you would have found it. Well, but the problem is, is that... And, well, I shouldn't say the problem. Conveniently... Is believed to be in the area that is now underwater. So if it's underwater, under sand, Google Earth still couldn't find it. All right, that's fair. Yeah. There are some limitations. There, right. there are. Okay. Well, this uh, this was an easy one, so let's get into our theories, because that's really... I mean, there's we could go on and on about the different stories and flesh them out, but really it all kind of comes down to what we've talked about so far. Okay. Three theories. The first of which is that it's real. Yeah. It's totally real. Okay. And it could be totally real for the reason that we talked about earlier, where the Colorado is flooding and it's pouring a bunch of water into the area and filling up that inland sea or that big lake that then, mm -hmm. because of the tidal bores, becomes a bit of a connected to the sea. Mm -hmm. It's not actually an inland sea. It could be real. And as Joe talked about, and we've been talking about, we know that there were Europeans, whether they were Spanish or um, like. Vikings, the Vikings, are yeah. the Vikings technically Europeans? Oh yeah, are no, they? No, okay. they're Europeans. Yeah. So Europeans are just all over the area. So technically, it could have happened, though. It's really kind of hard to believe. But... Uh, yeah, a little bit. Although you know, again, it doesn't have to be a galleon. There could be a boat of some kind. And that's that's yeah. the one thing is that it always says it's a galleon, but it could have been a smaller ship. I mean, yeah. like I talked about, uh, Tubre, he had three ships with him. He, one of them might have been the small one that was the scout, and he left the galleon in the Gulf yeah. and took the little one up, and it's, that's it's, the one that got stranded. It's yeah. kind of like Columbus, you know? His three ships weren't the same size. No, nope. it was It was big, medium, and small. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> like cups yeah. of coffee. Okay, we're going to go on to theory number two. This one I love, which is that it's sort of kind of real. Ha okay. Okay. This is hilarious. I love that people do this kind of crap. It's 1862, and there are a couple of people who decide they want to travel around the desert, and the best way they decide to do it is to build a skiff and put it on wheels. That so this actually... is a, sailed sh a ship with sails mm -hmm. that then has wheels attached to it. That makes sense. And no, they are driving across the desert in it. No, it does. Actually, people people actually do that. If you go out to, like, I go out to the Alvord 
desert occasionally, which is a dry lake bed. Mm-hmm. And in the summertime, when it's not raining, it's it's nice and dry and hard. And there are people I I've seen them with my own eyes who build these things. They're basically windsurfers with they're, wheels. They're, yeah, yeah, they like these things. They've got wheels on them and yeah, out, so and a out windsurfing riggers. board is what I was getting. Yeah, at. and and they sit in them and they've got uh, they've got a mast and a sail and they just speed around the desert in these things. It's it's very cool. Well, these guys and, evidently weren't very good at driving theirs yeah. because they drove it into a low point in the desert, mm. which was kind of moist and they just got stuck. No, no, it wasn't even moist. It was just a low point and it got stuck. They couldn't get it back out. Mm. It was heavy. I mean, you know, they're building it out of lumber. It's not like you can just drag that thing around. But they are saying that that is the, you know, the sails and the mast of that Mm. are what people were seeing in the 1800s and claiming it was this galleon. It would also explain the ghost ship theory. Possibly yeah, could great. have broke that, like, free. You just Still saw... out there speeding around when or, the wind comes yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Or that, that is... people, you know, in the later years, or the earlier years, sorry, that were more contemporary of this thing speeding around there, that they saw it and thought, uh, what's that thing in the distance? It looks like a ship yeah. with a mast. Mm. Weird. Weird. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, the ghost ship thing. I don't know if you ever saw the Halloween episode of South Park. No. Uh, yeah, they were. Which one? I mean, there's how many yeah. seasons now? Come on, Jeff. No, they were. Um, the town was terrorized because they were seeing ghost pirates. And it turned out it was a town pastor, and he was using a flashlight and a couple of squirrels to create the illusion. Of, <laughs> or, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not making this up. That's how it really went down. Yeah, it well, could be I the same thinking, thing. You know what I was thinking is for the ghost ship that, that is moving about is it could have been – what what is that uh, – you know how to pronounce this, Joe, and I never can. What's the that? illusion of something that looks that's reflected and looks like it's several feet off the ground. Yeah, it's, mirage. It's uh, a fada. Yeah. Oh God, I can't remember the name of it either. There's, there's two. Different, we talked about that yes. in the Skinwalker Ranch thing. I mean, yes. you, you get your typical mirage, which which the light is like refracted upwards, and it mm-hmm. looks like there's water. But then there's the other one where the light is refracted downward, and and so it looks like it's floating. Yeah. So so say something off in the distance horizontally actually looks like it's up in the air. Right. And I, and so that's that's the thing that I, I wonder about, about yeah. which moves us right into the third theory, which is it's a total fake. Mm. It's just not real. Yeah. And it could be that it's a mirage. Um, there has been no evidence, concrete evidence. Nobody's even come back with a board and said, this was from this ship that I found. Because people say they went to it. Actually, I need to rephrase that because I'm wrong. There are no firsthand accounts. Mm. They're all second and third. Yeah. But it's never, this guy went, and when he was at the ship, he took a board off of it and kept it with him. It's always they went to it and looked at it or saw it in the distance. Yeah. They've never actually been to it. That, and this is the thing, is this is entirely counter to everything I know about human nature. Is, <laughs> I find, no, that's I, true. I find a shipwreck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, as you say, take a souvenir from it at the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dig it out, dig up whatever I can and find anything valuable that's mm-hmm. possibly there mm-hmm. and take it. There, know, there is... And, one story there's one story that is unsubstantiated out there that there was some guy who showed up in town that nobody knew him he showed up at this town with a little tin full of pearls and he used those and people were like hey where'd you get those oh i found them in the desert at this thing well could you take us there oh yeah i'll totally take you there in the morning great we'll put you up on our our place for the night rent free and in the morning he was gone yeah like that's the one story that I've seen where somebody's actually showed up with it, and the guy 
disappeared. And you notice I'm using air quotes. Yeah. Because yeah. all of our listeners could see that. Yeah. 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 The uh, the guy disappeared, took the silver probably with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. probably he probably disappeared with a horse. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that didn't survive the telling. But no, so I am inclined to believe that this probably isn't real. The skiff is the only thing that I can see potentially being it. So this treasure that is supposedly lost I don't think it actually existed. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of lost treasures never existed to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And back to, that. yeah. Well, yeah. so much for that one. All right. That's, well, that's me that's sad. me. Total yeah. downer, I know. Uh, except uh, for I really want to know. I want to do one of those desert windsurfing board things. Uh, no, that looks like a lot of fun. It does, but it would probably hurt more when you fell off of it than if you fell off a windsurfing board, because you'd fall in the water. Yeah. Okay, yes. So talking about fake, maybe fake kind of fake. No, it's for real. This is real. We (laughs) can talk about mine if you guys want. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Let's do it. What is it? So we're going to talk about the mystery of Poverty Island. I love the name. The the Poverty Island Lost Treasure is what they call it. And where's Poverty Island? Poverty Island is in Lake Michigan. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I couldn't remember which lake it was in. Yeah, I've I've always actually found this one kind of fascinating. And I like the name, too. Poverty Island. Did I mention I like the name? Yeah, I like. Yeah, yeah it's cool. You like think, the name. Uh, it makes you think that there was an orphanage on the island at one time. Uh, you know, yeah, it's not. It's real. It's a really. Oh, it's small itty bitty. Island. I know. Yeah, yeah. there's I, a lighthouse though. There is. Oh, cool. I just, I, I've always wondered why somebody named it Poverty Island. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but no. it's kind of a strange name. Yeah, I don't. I think I read about it, but I don't. I don't remember why. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah, yeah, nah, it's okay. It's not really I pertinent read it to too, the story. And I don't either, so. You yeah. know, actually, we prefer to not answer every question. That gives our mm-hmm. listeners the opportunity to go research yeah. it for themselves so they can and find feel out. Like they're part and then of it. send us an email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By all means. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's 1863. Okay. Marka. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Civil War and all that Civil stuff. Civil War. Yeah. Kind of, kind of near the end of the Civil War. Uh, the Confederacy has decided that they need money. Uh, so they appeal to one Mr. Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte III. Of France. For some reason, I don't totally know why, uh, but for some reason, uh, Bonaparte totally granted them a secret shipment of gold to help them out. And I think he hated the Americans because we were loosely connected to the English. Yeah. Well, no, then he would hate know. the Confederacy, too. I don't know. I don't know. The, uh, um, I mean, the French have actually been our allies for a long, for a long really time. really long time, yeah. yeah. Our strongest and oldest allies. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure that the, the French were that sympathetic to the Confederacy. but uh, I'm not either. Yeah. That's one of the, that's my first red flag. Yeah, that, that is kind of there, yeah. yeah. This delivery uh, has been estimated to be worth about $400 million in our money today, 2015 money. Okay. It turns out it's really hard to do do backwards calculations on what it would have been at that point. The value of? Yeah. So I don't know. But it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. This delivery path was headed towards Chicago via the... The Lake Michigan. The Lake Michigan. The Lake Michigan. Uh, <laughs> via the St. Lawrence River. And so they went by this strange circus route because they were avoiding the Union blockade, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think. It's, it's not really explicitly told. Yeah. Why. It would just yeah. seem like... I, yeah. I never understood wh- how... You know what I mean? Like, why that particular area? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be easier to sail around Florida and go to, like, say, New Orleans or yeah, something. That was exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would be way shorter. But I don't know. They came through the north, I guess, for okay. reasons. Yeah. Again. Reasons unknown. Another red flag, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, but they, but they, by this time, the Union spies had heard what was up, and uh, they attacked this shipment near Poverty Island and uh, sunk the ship and loot altogether, never to see, be seen again. Mm-hmm. End of story. Did they manage... But no, they managed story. to board it. And end like, of story. Yeah, really? No, Just I totally actually remember. I thought I saw a version where it sank in a storm. Shh, no. That yeah. happened. Okay. This, That's this the, is what that happened. Is, that, is, oh. that is the Edmund Fitzgerald you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, no, no. No, Steve's right. There's another story that goes it's sunk in a, in a storm. Which happens a lot near Poverty Island, it turns out. Yeah, no, Lots of storm sinking. It would be interesting. I, I think actually we <laughs> storm should... Storm sinking? Yeah. Sorry, is that insensitive? I don't know. Storm sinking? No. Storm I, sinking? I, we should totally drain the Great Lakes because yeah, there's definitely. probably all kinds of cool stuff at the oh, bottom yeah, of the Great definitely. Lakes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's not the end of the story. Oh, there's... Okay. There's more. Uh, in 1929, a group of sailors were sailing on Lake Michigan, like you do, and they were pulling up their anchor link by link on their chain. And uh, they snagged what they reported to be trunks, five of them, five trunks on one anchor, apparently. I don't know how that happened, but okay. Were they all tied together, maybe? Maybe. They must, they must have been. They yeah. must have been, yeah. But the trunks were full of gold? They didn't, the trunks didn't make it up because as they were pulling the trunks on board, the chain of the anchor snapped, uh-huh. and so the trunks were lost back to sea. Yeah. Well, and gold okay, is heavy. Well, I, I initially thought that uh, it was total bunk. Because I thought, well, there's no way that a chain anchor, an anchor chain could just snap. Like It kind of depends dumb. on how heavy duty it but is. But it turns out it happens all the time. I actually read a fair amount about how ineffective anchors are just in general. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that the but... only reason that anchors work is because of the chain attached to them. And when you're trying to haul the anchor up, there's so much weight usually that your links will expand. Stretch. Stretch. And snap. Thank you. Yeah. And snap. So apparently yeah. it's a well, thing, especially if it was attached to four trunks worth of gold. Yeah, well, yeah. Five I, trunks worth of gold. Yeah, I, uh, I, I tend to think that, um, what's the word I'm thinking of here? They wouldn't have enough strength in them to pull up five trunks worth of gold. No, it seems, no, it, 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 would, seems it would be suspicious. Well, no, it, yeah. it may not have actually been people manually hauling the anchor up, though. Oh, that's true. It could have been I mean, a larger ship with a hydraulic windlass. Yeah, winches all the time. Well, that's true. Maybe that was it. Yeah. So they pulled it up enough to see close enough they to the They saw surface, that it was trunks, trunks, and then it, you know, slipped through their fingers and fell and back to the sea. Boom, it's gone again. Yeah. yeah. And then in 1933, just before storm, the son of the Poverty Island lighthouse keeper said that he observed a salvage crew make what appeared to be an exciting discovery just kind of off the coast of Poverty Island. Oh, really? So he, he said that they were excited, is what he said? Yeah, he said they looked excited. They I, looked like they were celebrating. Yeah. I yeah. remember reading the account. Yeah, and then a storm swept in and sunk that ship. And drowned them all. They were partying in the wee hours of the night. Yeah, hey, we've, <laughs> yeah, we got, hey, we've it. got it, we've got it. Except for he didn't, he never said that it looked like they actually hauled stuff up. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it was on their ship or not. Um, but actually, the, the so that ship sank, and then in 1993, the wreckage of that, that salvage ship was actually found, and there was no gold there. What was the name of the ship? That's a really good question, and uh, I haven't seen it anywhere. I haven't either. Have I? Uh, you I, know, no, I, mean, I don't think I have. I mean, they're constantly finding new wrecks in the, in the Great Lakes. It's, yeah. It's not an unusual thing. Yeah, so, but yeah. There, was not, there was no gold or anything on this ship. There, the it other, seems like yeah. they weren't being very good at salvaging things. Well, but the other thing to keep in mind is when ships go down, it's not as if everything goes down in a straight line. Oh, yeah. So if ship turns over and this trunk of gold is on the deck, the trunk of gold is going to be so heavy, it's going to sink 
pretty much like straight. Yeah. Whereas the ship, the, the ship is going to drift away. away. Yeah. Particularly if you're yeah. going down in a storm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the storm is so bad that you sink. It's probably so not going to. I will, I will give a little bit of, eh, they might have got something just because of that fact. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, there are two guys who are searching for the treasure right now. Well, okay, there are more than two guys searching for the treasure. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of guys are. Yeah. There are a couple like key players in the search for this treasure right now. So I guess we'll use these people and their opinions as theories. Okay. Because okay. there's really two theories yeah. here, right? It's it, it's real or it's Either not it's real. Either it's real or it's not real. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the in the it's not real camp is a guy by the name of Chuck Fellner, and he's a historian and an amateur shipwreck searcher guy. Is that yeah. a technical term? That's the technical term. I like it. What, yeah, what a great job that's title. That's what is on his card. <laughs> yeah. Card shipwreck that. searcher guy. Yeah. Shipwreck searcher guy. <laughs> the Beach Boys had to do a song about that. Yeah, yeah. they should. But uh, apparently uh, record keeping uh, about Lake Michigan ships was really robust in the 19th century. I can believe that. Which is another reason why it would be weird for the Confederacy to be trying to smuggle a bunch of gold through yeah. a highly monitored area. Yeah, you yeah. really yeah, you can't get your it's ships into there weird. without somebody observing it, uh, yeah. you know? But I mean, they also they have really really detailed sinking records. Oh yeah. For every shipwreck and anything like that. And there is no record of any ship. Yeah. Like this sinking around this time. Yeah, although it's entirely possible if they were sneaking in there on the slide that, that they got into the lake, then they mm-hmm. sank and nobody had a clue that they were exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. would be the counterpoint to that. But it's yeah. not. I mean, I, I took a look at this on the map because mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out like how the hell they even got there. Yeah. It's not exactly easy to get in there. I mean, there's you know today there's locks and stuff like that, but yeah, no, it it's wouldn't not. be just a, a, a sail right down and nobody's going to see me because I do it all under the cover of dark. Yeah. No, but it could it's... have been a, you know, they were smuggling some stuff, right? So they were saying, oh yeah, we've got a bunch of potatoes on this ship. Got, you know, just, there's just a couple guys got some potatoes for the, for you great North folk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, That's a good point. You I, know, and I that, guess I, I, and coming about it as it's a sneaky ship that isn't from the area, yeah. is the I, way I was viewing it. I think it's unlikely that they would have been able to sneak in there without being observed mm-hmm. and somebody making note of it. I mean, even today, uh, every port around the world, there are people keeping an eye on things. Oh, yeah. There are people who are noting the comings and goings of ships. Mm-hmm. And it's not just spies for foreign countries. or There's private concerns that do it. Lloyd's has people in ports all around the world observing and, well, and you, back in those days you kind it was of the same. want to observe yeah you can traffic do. like that yeah. Oh, yeah oh yeah yeah so that's that'd be the it's not real i think among other reasons so that's the the, the felder theory is that it's just not it's not it's real because not of this real. because yeah. of this and because of you know all, all this other stuff is that like you know there's been a lot of anecdotal stories but conveniently everybody who's ever act you know almost gotten it has sunk yeah they they suck or they've lost it yeah Yeah. it's a cursed treasure duh duh Mm -hmm. yeah but actually some people point to the consistency of the treasure being lost as proof that it exists which is really interesting i tend to not understand this kind of logic but there you have there it. There was one story that has been repeated over and over, and it's been pretty pure the whole time. Well, is, actually, is so how they're saying this. No, is? no, no. Steve Harrington is the is a maritime historian that he's the proponent of this theory. He he says that the stories of the treasure being found are like just 
yeah, too consistent almost. There's always five chests. It's always in the same area. And it's always lost in a tragic way. So uh-huh. that means that it must be real. Yeah. Well, he... I just think, you know, like there's got to be at some point you stop being, you stop losing stuff conveniently like that. Well, here, here's right? the deal. The thing about it is, is like many, many years go by and you've got these chests. They're, they're wooden trunks or something. They're full of gold mm-hmm. and you snag them mm-hmm. and you haul them up towards the surface. Well, I'm sorry, but they're going to deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. And the weight of that gold is just going to pop the bottoms right out of them. Mm-hmm. So you'll sooner or later, if those trunks actually exist, it should have happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody should have snagged the trunks, pulled them to the surface empty because the contents of the trunks have been left on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if they didn't burst when they were drug up, say, by these guys in 1933. They didn't have gold in them. Well, no, I'm saying that maybe they still did, but when they went sunk back to the bottom, uh, it was 33 or was the other time that somebody said they snagged them? 29. 29, okay. People, there have yeah. been stories of people okay. snagging them. But Those are the two Somebody most snags them and they, they're dragging them and then they lose them and they sink back down and the impact with the bottom of would the lake would bust them open. Would yeah. bust them open. So yeah. now it's a crappy bunch of flotsam and a pile of gold. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's not, uh, I, it's, that's why I find this thing about the five chests to be not quite credible. I agree. Uh, yeah. Well, there's yeah. somebody who disagrees with you, though. Oh, there always is. Well, there's lots of people yeah. who disagree with me. There's two guys who uh, have been searching, like, a lot. Uh, one guy in 1980, I read a long article with him in, like, some beach periodical or something. You know, like, was one it, of those... There was one. Was it Skin Diver magazine? There was one art. There it's, was an article that really kind of got this one going. Well, it's it's this other guy. But so okay. this first guy, his name is Stephen Leibert, and he uh, started doing dives in, in the 80s. And he apparently had, had done hundreds of dives by 2001, which is when the article was written. And um, yeah, he's not the only one. Uh, Richard Bennett has spent well over $100,000 of his own money to find this treasure. But here's the real catch of this treasure. This is my favorite part of this this whole story, is that the treasure, if it does exist, is is on State land, uh, poverty. I, it's it it falls under the purview of the Poverty Island State Park. Yeah. Um, which means that if somebody does find it, the state owns it, and the person who found it, <laughs> yeah, gets your, none of it. Oh, you don't even get a cut. No, you don't get a cut. You don't no, get a cut. No, it's not. No, no, it's all seized by the state because it's state property. Well, here it's, goes and my. And it's of historic value. Well, that's so much. For, that's there goes my incentive structure. Yeah, there you I, go. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to bother. I was going. I was all set to go out there, but no. Well, but no. I actually remember reading something about there's cases where people have fought that rule. Yeah. And so won. the thing, the thing that happens really is that you basically you have a bunch of money, and the state says, "Well, that's our money," and you say, "No, it's not. I have it. It's my money." And they say, "But it's our money," and you say, "All right, I'll give you twenty percent of this money," and they go, "No, okay." Uh, probably I would yeah. yeah I would just I would bring it up and then I would just uh, just say hey look what I found mm-hmm. um, off the coast of Bermuda hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's what yeah. I'd be saying yeah me too yeah there you go but it is well it would be okay to the credit of these um, it's Liebert and Bennett are those mm-hmm. the two guys yeah okay to their credit the fact that they haven't found it yet is uh, is understandable because 
from what I've read, the water is extremely cold yeah. and yeah. extremely murky. Yeah, well, and there's storms there all the time. Yeah. So the bottom is constantly changing. Yeah. Now, so, I, I would say this is the kind of thing that you should lose remotely operated vehicles for. That's, you yeah. Know, I mean, people have, and people have actually gone out and found treasure, like in the Atlantic and stuff. I mean, incredible treasures. Yeah. And almost always they're using ROVs. Yeah, they've started. And, it's uh, Bennett is has started using a kind of remote camera. He, I think it's like a homemade, it looks like, PVC yeah. Kind of thing oh yeah, it was he, a big grid kind yeah, of thing that yeah. has a camera on it that yeah. he's using now, but still nothing. Yeah. At least that he said. I, I guess I wouldn't say if I found treasure like this. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, know. actually, yeah. Speaking of which, I read some years back. I read a, a really great book called "Ship of Gold in the Deep Blue Sea," and uh, these guys went out and actually did find a shipwreck with a fabulous amount of gold on it. And they and it and it describes how they figured out where it was, and then they and then they home built basically their own ROV mm-hmm. and went out and just started searching the the ocean floor and the likely places, and they eventually found it. Mm-hmm. And so the whole just the, the whole story of how they how they managed to figure out how to find this thing, and then then they modified their ROV to actually go inside the wreckage and pull the gold out. They wow. didn't raise a ship. That's crazy. And, oh no, it's it's a, it's really interesting how they managed to do it, and this mm-hmm. and the stuff that they found was just incredible and. Made them all very, very rich. Well, yeah. this is why people like these guys keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, who yeah. doesn't want to find a shipwreck full of gold? No, everybody yeah. wants to. Hell, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I have, a, I have a story of lost treasure of my own. What? Yeah. So he went to the dryer, and there was change in his pants when he put them in it, and now it's not there. Actually, did it's... Did you check the lint trap? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Mm, it's yeah. not there? Yeah. And I went outside where, you know, the... The vent goes out, and they weren't mm. there either. Mm. No, actually, no. That's just a joke. Oh. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm telling the story of my lost treasure is Joe's gold. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I bought a bunch of gold. No, we can't keep amount, doing this. And I put it in my safe, and then I forgot the combination to the safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's Can probably a cipher. So some people, some people believe that Joe's gold exists. Other people... No, that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, let's no. be serious okay. here. Okay. Let's be serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, this is serious. I was kind of like looking around. I mean, there's so many lost treasures to choose from. And I, picked this, I picked this one because uh, we haven't thrown a bone to our friends down under for quite a while. And <laughs> That's so, true, actually. For our Aussie friends, yeah. yeah we're going to talk about, you guessed it, Lassiter's Reef. Oh. Yeah. Which is, in, you know, in Australia, a pretty huge story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. But, and, also, and also not a reef. Yeah, no, it's not a reef in the sense that you think it is. Yeah. I'm not, not even sure why they call it a reef. Mm. It really... It, yeah, the only thing, and I know, if we're wrong, one person Someone sends us an us. email, everybody else who was about to send the email, don't, that other person got it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I exactly. understood it as a vein of gold, and it's a reef, almost like it's a structure of rock above ground, it's, like a reef would be underwater. It's kind of that, that stone structure, and it just happens to be uh, chucked full of gold. Yeah, Which is weird. Yeah. I, it, it's a, a reef, because I've looked it up while you, oh, you know, talked for me. For a reef me is like a rock idiot. or sandbar or other feature lying beneath the surface of the water. Yeah. 30 meters or less below the water. Yeah. In so, this, anywho. Yeah, well, in this case, it was... Uh, I guess reminiscent of a reef, but it was a, it was a quartz ironstone formation that stuck up above the surface of the, of the ground, but was assumed to also project quite a ways underneath the ground. Okay. Yeah. And so Harold Bell Lassiter, whose real name was Lewis Lassiter, he started calling himself Harold Lassiter for some reason. Because it sounds cooler? 
Uh, yeah, and there was a and there was a, an author named Harold Bell Wright mm. who wrote actually a story about lost treasure, hmm. and it's believed that perhaps he renamed himself because of because of that. So uh, so Harold Lassiter was seventeen. The year was eighteen ninety seven, hmm. and he rode through Queensland, Australia, to go to the Western Australian gold fields to. Uh, and some say that he was actually hunting for rubies. Uh, so he's either prospecting for gold or hunting for rubies. Not sure. really sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was near the East McDonald Ranges and uh, mountains in Australia. And he decided to travel west to the, towards the coast and shortcutting through the desert where he became lost. And then that's when he came across this formation, the reef, which was, again, a quartz thing that had, it wasn't solid gold. It just had, it had, it had some, veins in it. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of that. The quartz formations often do have veins of gold. And uh, he uh, took some samples. And uh, later on, when he got back to civilization, he had them assayed. Uh, and they came out to about three ounces of gold per ton, hmm. uh, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Good find. Uh, that, but that's one version of the story. He actually he told that story to the head of the Australian Workers Union because he was asking them to bankroll an expedition to go find the lost reef, which he had stumbled across many many years before. This was 1929, 19 actually 1930 when he pitched it to them. I was going to um, say yeah, a lot of time had gone by, so we're talking yeah. 30 years almost. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking like well, 1897, 1930. It's 33 years before. Mm-hmm. In, 19, in late 1929, Lasseter wrote to an Australian government official named Albert Green, telling him that, about finding this reef. He said he found it 18 years before, in 1911. Oh, so he was just confused. He meant to say uh, that it was 17 years ago, yeah. not he was 17. Yeah, Got maybe. It. I don't okay. know. I, you know. I really don't know. But uh, <laughs> he actually, they, they actually took it seriously enough that uh, the letter was referred to a guy named Herbert Gepp, uh, who was chairman of the Development Migration Commission, and uh, they asked him to investigate. And Gepp and a geologist named L.K. Ward interviewed Lassiter, uh, in November 1929, and uh, Ward, the geologist, said later that Lassiter was, quote, quite unbalanced, unquote. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't he's... mean he's lying. But, well, uh, 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 so Gep's report was kind of tepid uh, about the whole thing. He said that, uh, said that any investigation of the reef should be regarded, quote, only in the form of a gamble, unquote. So, in other words, he didn't think it was too terribly credible. And that's why Lassiter went to the Australian Workers Union, and the Australian Workers Union, in the end, decided to bankroll an expedition to the tune of either 5,000 pounds or 50,000 pounds, depending on who you read. Mm. Well, and I remember reading that part of the reason that he didn't go for the gold earlier, I mean, we're talking a 30-year span, is that there was gold that was much easier to get at. Yeah, exactly. And so nobody nobody was going to spend all this money to go find it in the middle of the desert when it was in a very accessible place. We're just going to mine it here. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. They were bringing a lot of gold out of the ground. And so, yeah. That's that's uh, yeah. That's one good reason. I'm not sure that he spent all those years actually prospecting or mining for gold. Mm. He he did a lot of different things. He was he had a lot of different jobs, and uh, so people have called him a prospector and a miner. But actually, I don't know that he actually spent much of his life actually doing that stuff. Uh, anyway, back to his story. When he talked to the uh, Australian Workers Union, he told them the story about how he found it in 1897, mm. and but he was lost. And he was out in the desert with little food, little water, and his horses died. Mm. And he was stranded and in pretty bad shape, but luckily for him, a camel driver came by and found him and took him to a surveyor's camp. And there at the surveyor's camp, he uh, he rested and, you know, recuperated a little bit. 
he met a surveyor named Joseph Harding. Uh, eventually, three years later, he and Harding went back, and they he was able to find the reef again, and they took a bearing on it with a sextant, apparently. Hmm. And uh, But it turned out later, when they got back to civilization, uh, they found out that their watches were like off by at least a couple of hours. <laughs> And so, in order to, it, you can fix your latitude without a timepiece with a, with a sextant, mm-hmm. but you can't fix your longitude. So they just had no idea; their bearings were completely wrong. But if they knew, so here's my here's my question about that though: if you know your watch is two to four hours off, uh, you can make an adjustment. You can make an adjustment, you could, and yeah. you should be able to figure out kind of the sweep of yeah. where it's at, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. definitely. Yeah, you'll know where it is latitude-wise, and and obviously, if you know my watch, my watch is exactly two hours off, then you should be able to get a pretty decent well. But as far as latitude was concerned, you know that barrier, the whole was, thing was a wash. The whole the whole thing was, was just yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, where was I? Uh, so there was a new expedition to Lassiter's Reef, which is underwritten by the Union, mm-hmm. in July, starting in July 1930. Uh, it was two trucks. And also had an aircraft, an airplane. For... Which is pretty cool. Yeah. It is pretty cool, although the airplane actually turned out to be uh, really actually worse than useless. It wasted <laughs> a lot of time. I mean, this, it was supposed to be used for reconnaissance and all that stuff, but uh, between the plane crashing and the plane breaking, <laughs> and <laughs> it just, hmm. yeah, at one point it left the pilot stranded in the wilderness for a couple of weeks before, before he was found. Um, wow. Yeah, the, the airplane was actually just a complete pain, and um, they set up, but they set up July twenty first, nineteen thirty. They all traveled westward to reach the end. What, what, the, what they were going to do was find a suitable staging area, create a landing strip, and then the pilot was going to go back in a truck with, with another guy and get the airplane and bring it forward. And then the, the other guy was going to bring a bunch of supplies back in the truck. Um, and that was Alice Springs, by the way. Did I mention it was all out of Alice Springs? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pilot would go back to Alice Springs and get the aircraft. Uh, and the overarching theme of this expedition was, quote, and then they went back to Alice Springs. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what they did over and over and over again. It's like, oh, everything's gone all to hell. Let's go back to Alice Springs and regroup. Uh, long story short, the, the people, the other people of the expedition uh, found that Lassiter was evasive. Uh, he really wouldn't say anything about where the treasure was. At one point he said, like, you know, gee, if I tell you where the treasure is, you won't need me anymore. But he wouldn't tell them, he wouldn't actually say where the, you know, give them any reliable information to try to lead them to where the reef was. Mm. Uh, Eventually, other members of the expedition came to believe, number one, that he was, like, crazy. Number two, that he was not being honest. Mm. Yeah, and there was was a big fallout over the whole thing. And eventually he, he was... Ditched. Then he went off with one other guy. A dingo hunter, I think is what yeah, they called him. Yeah, a dingo him. hunter. Yeah, I went off with him and some camels, I think, and uh, looking for it. And eventually those two fell out uh, because Lassiter basically said, I, hey, I went off wandering and I, I, and I found it. And the guy's great. Let's go find it. Let's go look at it. And he's like, oh, I'm not telling you where it is. And so the guy's like, and so there was a fight over that. And didn't, he, didn't he say he brought back some rocks that he said were, were from it? Yeah. But he wouldn't show them to him either? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. Lassiter. I know. And it ended kind of tragically for Lassiter. He wound up alone with a couple of camels. Because the dingo the hunter left him. Yeah. And uh, he went off alone and eventually his camels bolted. And he was left stranded with very little food or water. And mm. 
And Sounds he was, familiar. Yeah, he was in a bad way. Um, luckily for him, he was befriended by some local Aborigines who helped him out, but apparently didn't help him out quite enough because eventually he did die anyway. Mm. Yeah, and uh, in the in the desert. Yeah, he did. Well, I heard that there was talk that he had stayed in the area and that the Aborigines were helping him. And I don't know how they know this part, okay? So don't ask me for the details. But I remember reading something about the fact that they said he had made a belated attempt to return to Alice Springs. In other words, he stayed there too long, Mm. didn't have, you know, they gave him food and water, and he used up a big chunk of it before deciding, ah, I should probably go home. That that could very well be it, yeah. And so, bad judgment. But, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. He, yeah. he exhibited a lot of bad judgment yeah, through this whole thing. Yeah, uh, since he was missing for so long, a guy named Bob Buck was uh, was asked to go out there and find him, if at all possible. And he was he was a bushman, very experienced, and he spent eleven weeks looking around for tracks of Lassiter. Yeesh. Yeah, eleven weeks. Wow. He found signs. He followed the signs, and this guy must have been a, an incredible bushman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and he came across a, a gathering of Aborigines and, who denied any knowledge of him. But eventually, they took him to the place where his where his body was. Mm. And they hadn't killed him, but uh, it, it does appear they didn't really support him much either. And so he eventually died. And uh, Buck searched for his notes and stuff, and otherwise just buried his body there. Eventually, his body was relocated and moved to a to a, a different grave. Mm. Yeah, but that was the end of Lassiter. And of course, the reef, as far as any notes. You know, you'd think he'd write notes, draw a map, whatever. He didn't do that. Lassiter didn't do that. Kept it all in his head. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and, and also samples. Those rocks that he supposedly found, those were not found. So, hmm. yeah. So, somewhere out there is Lassiter's Reef. Or maybe not. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say is we really, at this point, we have nothing to corroborate that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, uh, you know, last year appears to be kind of dishonest, or it was kind of dishonest. And uh, there's, you know, let's face it, there's lots of people out there who want attention. Well, he, the thing that I, his behavior is what makes me think what I'm about to go into. I get the feeling that what he wanted from the union was for them to give him the money to go do the search with maybe one or two people. Yeah, but they insisted on a more structured thing. Yeah, they turned yeah. it into this big thing. Like, I almost feel like he kind of wanted to take the money and run. Mm. And uh-huh. when he couldn't do that, oh, oh, crap, what do I do? Yeah. He... And he just played this game that blew up in his face. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, the, according to his, his companions, he was just kind of sullen and, you know, He was distant. screwed. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he might be right. Uh, there's other reasons to doubt his story. In 1911, apparently, he was living in a town called I'm probably mispronouncing them Tabulam, which is on the or Tablam, uh, which is on the the far east coast of Australia. Hmm. So 1911 was was one one time when he claimed to have been way out in the west finding this thing. But he was in a completely different area. He was nowhere nearby. Uh, I've heard two different stories about where he was in 1897. Uh, I found. On Wikipedia, they they said that in, in 1897, when he claimed to have found it, he was actually in reform school. Mm. I remember seeing that. Yeah. Although he himself, in his own autobiographical notes, claimed that he was in the Royal Navy for four years, beginning in 1897 and ending in 1901. Hmm. Which means that even if he somehow found the reef in 1897, ran off and joined the Navy, got out in 1901, was he able to, would he have been able to go back three years later basically 1900, with Harding and find the reef again? 
Hmm. Yeah, there's if a problem was, there. Yeah, there's a little contradiction. And maybe he's just lying about serving in the Navy, and maybe he wasn't. But it does, if that's the case, it does sort of undercut his credibility a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do we yeah. know uh, for Harding, do we have any record from Harding that he actually went on this expedition with Lassiter? I don't know if Harding even existed, to tell you the truth. Okay, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I did a little looking, and I didn't see it, but that doesn't mean yeah. that it's not there. It means that I just didn't find it. Yeah. Yeah, no, there might uh, might have been a there might have been a Joseph Harding, but uh, I doesn't seem all that well documented. Okay. And as to whether he actually went out and found the reef with Lassiter, yeah, who knows? Not either. Who the hell knows? So theories, it's real or it's not real. Mm. Yeah, I think Slab- we just talked about that, didn't we? I think yeah. it's, I think it's not real. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I have a feeling it's not real. Well, there, well, there's there's something in between, which is that somebody lost his wallet. <laughs> and it's, it's still out there in the desert. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that could be it too. But yeah, yeah I I'm, I'm so sorry. To our, our Aussie friends, sorry guys. Probably um, not. Yeah, I know some of you. Some of you agree with me, and some of you are crushed. But uh, and I apologize to those of you who are crushed. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it ever existed. Okay, so all right, well, it doesn't exist. Okay. okay, all right. Wow. Well, that was fun. We just talked about three treasures that, that we don't know. Definitely don't exist. Yeah, we're pretty yeah. sure they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry guys. Truly lost treasures. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole ship of pearls. I mean it's like. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's a ship of fools. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, if you want to see any of the research, because we will put up links to each of these stories yeah. on our website, you can visit our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. This episode's there. Of course, there's going to be all of our other episodes are available there for download or streaming. So totally take advantage of that. We're, of course, on iTunes, where a lot of people do seem to still get the podcast from. If you're on iTunes, do take the time to leave a comment and a rating. Appreciate a good rating. Those. We want yeah. Them. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate the good ones more we than the like bad ones. We like them a lot yeah. more, yeah. Um, you can stream us, well, from just about any streaming service at this point. Most of them have us. We are on social media, so we're on Twitter. We have Thinking Sideways is us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's called our handle. Is that what they call it there? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Your Twitter username, doesn't matter. Yeah. We are on Reddit, so we've got the subreddit. Mm-hmm. And we are on Facebook, so we have the Facebook group and the Facebook page. Bear in mind, everybody, don't try and friend us on Facebook. You want to join the group because that's where all the action happens. Mm-hmm. Right on. And last but not least is our email. So if you've got questions, story suggestions, comments, concerns, any of that, definitely send us an email. Yeah. The email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you enjoy what we're doing at the podcast and you want to help out with that, we, you're more than welcome to do that. We have a PayPal link on the site or Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thinkingsideways. Patreon. It's kind of a contribute per episode basis, completely, completely voluntary. Absolutely. You can continue to download for free, or you can say you want to give X amount per. It's totally up to you, but it does help us out immensely. Yeah, yeah if you're Donald Trump, just give us about five million bucks. That'd okay? be great. Yeah, Donald that would really Trump be nice. Stop talking. All right, well, <laughs> we've got to go because we're done here, and obviously we're about to get off track. So thank you, everybody, and we uh, enjoy your holiday, and we will be talking to you next week. Yeah. Toodaloo, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>